0: Glory.
1: Greetings, welcome to Haber Bros, a historic, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. Hopefully we're not historic yet, Christopher. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say positive things about us. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating or review, pause this recording and give us a five-star rating, and be generous and lavish in your review. Follow us on Twitter at at @clergylay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother Chris, an eloquent priest. Chris, how are you? Kirk, I'm great. This is two weeks in a row that we've recorded, although... last week's episode episode, um has not yet come out it has oh Oh, it has it sat in the can for six days which is uh um, inexcusably long that is true look at me use industry terms like i know what they mean in the can what's up what's up here kirk
2: um not the temperature finally we have a cool day uh today and and yesterday was a little bit cool as well and Uh, our listeners probably don't know that, uh, once again, we have a Colombian living in our home. Uh, someone whom you have met Kirk, um, Maria Martinez is living with us this year as an intern at our, uh, kids school, actually just at one of our kids schools, our daughter's in middle school now. So just at Isaac's school. Uh, um, so obviously I wear dress pants on Sundays to church. Other than that, she is not, she did. She was not aware that I wore, that I owned jeans. (laughs) I wore long pants on a non Sunday for the first time yesterday. So I'm feeling fall uh, in the air Kirk. I um, went to Aldi earlier today and purchased their little mixed gourds um, to to, kind of deck and, uh, and pumpkins to decorate our, our countertop, uh, I'm. Uh, we bought a mum, um, which is a f- kind of a fall flower. Um, we are we
1: are embracing the change in seasons. Did you have you noticed that Aldi has their fall seasonal coffees out? Well, not all of them. A couple. Um, I'm, I'm 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 a little skeptical of the apple crisp flavored <laughs> coffee, so I did not purchase that. Um, but they have their Caramel coffee and I did purchase some of that and that is, that is good. So I'm excited to, uh, hmm. to be, to be opening that up. Next. I did.
2: I did not notice. Cause I am a flavored coffee
1: skeptic. Uh, I it's good as contrast. Hmm. Um, it becomes white noise if you constantly have it, because I mean, coffee is such a strong flavor that um, you kind of lose the ability to taste whatever it is. And it's always like a, um, it's always like a light roast anyway which I'm not a huge fan of. Mm, Um, Okay. So, but, but, but as contrast, as contrast, when you're accustomed to, um, to just kind of your, your, your standard breakfast blend or your medium roast or whatever roast you like, and then you have suddenly um, the, 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 the caramel coffee. It's delicious. You, uh, so have you ever had all these maple bacon coffee? Maple bacon? No. I have not. Oh, this is, this is a, uh, a new trendy flavor, Christopher. I am, I'm fully on the bandwagon. Oh my gosh. Um, Kirk that maple sounds bacon
2: is the new pumpkin like spice. A rude matchup, a uh, mashup. Oh. Sorry. A rude mashup. Like it's delicious. Oh, do you know what else I bought at Aldi Kirk? Um, is their uh soft pretzels? I am not a baker like you, uh, um, but I, but they have ah. these just German brand of, of soft pretzels. I'm going to fire up the oven and, 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 Cook some tonight for the kids, uh, Kirk. You yes. shared pictures. Yes. Uh, Speaking of pretzels, pretzels, were not on your radar yet, but I guess I guess
1: uh, I inspired you. Hello. So you inspired me uh, a week ago after we talked about um, after we reminisced about uh, my one pound of COVID <laughs> yeast uh, that I had purchased. Well, I wouldn't call causing COVID me. Yeast causing me to uh, yell in exultation, Walt Whitman style, uh, from the rooftops at um, quizzical and slightly terrified FedEx drivers. Um, I-, I pulled out uh, what remains of that 2020 purchase of <laughs> the one pound of yeast, which is probably like 40% left. So that's impressive, right? That I've used- that,
2: that's, that's a lot of baking.
1: Yeah, 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 man. And uh, Sunday night, we- there was there was a a fall certain something something in the air, and um, and we made uh, soft pretzels, mm. um, which are which are great fun, because like depending upon the amount of effort you put in, like just kind of rolling them, this is hand uh, like visuals are, are are just gold here <laughs> I know, on a podcast. As I demonstrate hand rolling as you hand roll them. And, uh, and then form them into the pretzel shape and then give them the, the, the quick baking soda bath, bam, and then putting them in the oven. And I have to say, you know, I'm not always the most meticulous and artistic um, person, but my pretzels were far more visually appealing than my children's. Mm. So, Question. Yes, answer. A key ingredient integral
2: to a good pretzel yes. is yes. the large chunks of salt. Yeah. Do you do you purchase the large chunks of of salt and and sprinkle them?
1: I have once. I, 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 I no longer have them, so mm. we did it. We did it very economically with the old like you know Morton salt <laughs> container, like judiciously shaking that on. So no, no. I mean, it, it still tasted nice and salty, um, but it didn't have the the visual. The appeal. big it grains. It didn't get the yeah. visual points for the big grains of salt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, we're, we are fully into fall. I had to my fall open house, uh, on Wednesday. That was meet the parents. Um, that was, that was great. That was great. And that's um, nice
2: to have that that far into the school year. I remember my first teaching job. Um, we had like the parents come in in week two, uh, and it was my first two years of teaching. You're and like, like, Oh, I'm sorry. Mikey.
1: I really have nothing to tell you. We went over right. the syllabus three days ago.
2: Well, it, it wasn't just that they're like, "Oh, my kid is the kid who," and I'm just like, "I don't know the kids yet." I, don't, like, I literally don't I have, know who your child. Is. I have like a hundred some <laughs> students, and it's my first year teaching. I have no idea who you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> right.
1: I was yeah. like let's put this like a month in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's really kind of a a large gap between, um, the knowledge that you have, uh, the first like within the first week of the students, and then within the first month for Um, sure. I mean, almost, almost like the large gap between uh, Lazarus and the rich man.
2: Today's gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. Besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, father, to send him to my father's house for I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. So Kirk,
2: we have here um, almost the culmination of this great theme um, that we have in the gospel of Luke, the theme that is uh, that starts right in the first chapter uh, where you and I, Kirk have talked a lot about uh, Mary's beautiful song, the Magnificat. Mm. And uh, one of the beautiful things is, is, uh, that we see is this great reversal of fortune, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm looking for some, uh, some you know, uh, feedback here. <laughs> I, I apologize for being inert. <laughs> um, he has shown strength
2: with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And then in Luke 6, we have the Beatitudes, um, where Luke's uh, Beatitudes feature Jesus saying, blessed are the poor. Where Matthew, uh, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So uh, a difference. Um, And uh, as, I mean, this clearly ties together to uh, and we talked about this last week to last week's gospel, because last week we kind of looked forward at at um, at this end of uh, the chapter, that um, these are clearly connected um, that we see these people. Um, I guess let's let's jump to the text like um, last. I'm sorry, the rich man. Uh, and uh, this is one of those things that I uh, he's often called uh, what the Latin word for. um for um for rich or rich man and and uh I, it's interesting when 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 we speak when we use latin words oftentimes they're mispronounced grossly so i don't know if it's pronounced it's i don't know if it's pronounced divas or um dives e, Di, divies which is would not be the latin pronunciation but right that's like the know.
1: english pronunciation like in yeah. all artwork it's always divies and Latin
2: yeah yeah it, it'd and, be divas yeah but yeah yeah uh it's curious um, that uh, Lazarus is named here because in none of the other parables in Luke do we have um, somebody named. And so some That's people right. wonder if this is a parable. And in fact, some some uh, kind of thinkers and scholars um, think that in fact, uh, the, the connective tissue between the verses immediately before where it seems like there are kind of these unconnected things like a teaching on divorce and what's the other thing uh, in between uh, the law and the kingdom of God the Pharisees who are lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed Jesus. And he said to, and, and he, he responds, and then he talks about divorce and marriage. There are some people who think that in fact the rich man is someone present who had divorced his wife mm. and perhaps Lazarus also was, was present and maybe is the Lazarus that, uh, of Bethany that uh, Jesus resurrected. Um. Kirk, I was listening to a podcast today, and uh, the it featured a pastor who he didn't point to this as a uh, conversion moment. Like he knew he wanted to be a a pastor, a Southern Baptist preacher, his uh, for most of his life, but it wasn't until seminary that it was interesting. Something kind of hit him that that had to have been really formative because he brought it up. Uh, he had a black preaching professor. And this this particular occasion in class, this this young man uh preached on the Valley of Dry Bones, passed from Ezekiel, and he preached as if he were the one prophesying. And and the the preacher or the 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 black professor wanted to make a point this to him that like you as a white person, whether you're privileged or not. To take away that word privileged, um, no black preacher would ever preach this uh, as as the prophet. They are the bones that are given life mm, and breath. Right. We are the receivers, right? Um, and for, for me, like that seems self-evident that like like to be a Christian is to be a receiver of mercy, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, just just a bracketed 10-second observation. I have heard a more uh pentecostal minded uh pastor Mm. recount to me um a a that the previous sunday the congregation like it just it was dry and he was like it felt like i was preaching to dry bones and i was like trying to blow and so he was falling into the exact same trap right like he was the spirit blowing on the dry bones And Kirk, and, uh, it's really so into it's the same trap yeah there. yeah
2: and it's really, really important for us to um who us who we who seek to read scripture well to realize that it's God who acts that it's God who saves the helpless you and I are helpless um we're we are dead in our sin and we are. Made alive in Christ, that it's the spirit that vivifies, that brings life, that breathes life into dry, into dry bones, to dead mm. beings and knits them back together and breathes life into them that that is the understanding of Scripture that we get when we read the whole thing. So praise God for everybody who um has spoken up or or preached that or kind of made that correction that like we are not the heroes of our life story, Kirk, All right. In fact, we need a savior to come and save us. Um, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, uh, so I, I bring that up, uh, because Lazarus, the name, uh, is is a uh, a name that means God has helped, and uh, it's it's uh, it comes from the Hebrew name Eleazar, which we know. Uh, Eleazar was a faithful servant of Abraham. Um, uh, that features into uh, uh, Genesis 15, I think it is. Um, and and so it's interesting that we have Abraham in this story, right? Um, that you know this is kind of where Abraham's bosom comes from. This the sense of of um uh to to be you know to, to be not uh what does Paul say to 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 not be be in the body means to be with Christ or to be dead is. Anyway, um that there is uh, immediately uh, immediate comfort. um, so anyway, uh, we've got these these two men. Um, I believe that these are are that this is a story like a parable. Um I, I don't believe that that these were um that this lazarus of of uh, Bethany. I don't think that this that, but it, it could be. the the lesson is the same that there is a rich man um and kirk this is very evocative isn't it um he's described evocatively not only is he rich he's clothed in yeah we have a
1: lot of sensory details don't we yes
2: yes it's very interesting purple very expensive cloth fine linen and not just feasted feasted sumptuously sumptuously what a what an adverb yeah every day and and at his gate was lady poor man named lazarus covered with sores uh so lazarus is not just poor he's and and starving. He's he's covered with sores. And it's so bad. Um, that that uh dogs remember, dogs are unclean, right? Uh, and they came and licked his sores. And it's interesting that an unclean animal, like picture the contrast here. Um, that 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 the rich man was not unaware of Lazarus, he was at his gate, like he had to literally like step to the side to avoid him. Um, you know, a human who has like the rich man who has compa- the ability to have compassion uh, avoided Lazarus while even the dogs would come and lick his sores. Interesting contrast. Um, But also like this would be the lowest of the low. to, to, so the dogs had compassion on him. And yet like this guy is like, you know, you know, uh, kind of, they're they're not, it's not that dogs are unclean, like pigs. It's just that like, it, it was an insult Gentile yeah. dogs, you know, yeah. um, and so we we see these contrasts. Um, yeah, I mean, dogs do did not have the status they do now. Yeah, yeah. and oh. and even this word for dog isn't like a pet; it's like a wild dog. You know, it's this, right. this is not a desirable. This is not a, a desirable it's, it's animal. It's a dingo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and 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 to, to to say that this wild dog had compassion, whereas the rich man did not. And it's interesting, Kirk. It would have literally cost the rich man, nothing to assist Lazarus. The reason I say this is it says um, he's not, Jesus is not saying that, he, that his wealth was ill gotten. The criticism of the rich man is not that he cheated, that, that his wealth was ill gotten. The problem is um, it, w- it would have cost him nothing as in the, the Lazarus desired the excess all he wanted—he didn't say, "Give me a tenth of what you have." Give me a third of what you have. What you have is mine. All he desired was the crumbs that fell from his table, Kirk. The excess, like the okay. refuse, the trash. He's like it would have cost uh, him literally nothing to help Lazarus. Anyway, that's that. That's the description of of the life. And then there is this great reversal where the. Um, in in the life and, and it's it's important, Kirk, to to note that Jesus is not teaching on heaven and hell here. He's not giving us the geography. Um, like that's, we are. Uh, that's not...
1: interesting that you say that. Hmm.
2: But go okay. go ahead. Okay. So
1: you keep going. Right. I'm, I mean, you you were just making an aside. I, I I don't want to derail your role. Okay.
2: All right. Um, is again, this is just a story, and he's saying like using kind of something that they would understand. Um, there's reversal of fortune um the the rich man uh is in Hades being in torment, and he sees Lazarus up there. And you know what's interesting? Uh, I mean, Kirk, some people just do not have eyes to see and ears to hear because even in Hades, he looks up and sees Lazarus and he's still ordering him around. He still thinks that like he can tell him what to do right. that he goes to Abraham have mercy on me, send Lazarus to dip the end of, like uh, this is like commanding language right this, this is. This is an imperative. He's like saying, do this Uh, for I'm in anguish. Um, And Abraham's response, of course, is child. Remember that in your lifetime, uh, you received your good things and Lazarus, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. Also, there's this great chasm, um, which I I didn't know that that was a hapax legomenon, like one of these words that occurs only once, like this word chasm in, in Greek. Um, It's so used only once in the Bible, and I don't know where – I did not do the research. Where did we um, get the uh, definition for this word? Like sometimes there are things outside of the biblical text that um, help us to define words, but chasm is, comes from the Greek word chasma. Anyway, I guess that was not interesting to anybody. Sorry. Uh, I, I love a little etymology okay. here and there, but all right, anyhow, all continue. Right. And uh, basically there's this chasm. We, we – this can't be done. And so it's interesting how the rich man feels like he's still kind of entitled to, I don't know, riches and, and okay, fine. Not me, but send, go to my father's house. And I'll, I'll make another note that might be interesting only to a few of our view, um, listeners uh, that, as we've said before, the church fathers were very uh, allegorical. Um, and so the five brothers represent the five senses. I forget who that was, if that was Jerome or somebody else, but the, that's, that someone had the five senses to be able to see hear, you know, taste, touch, smell Um, these, these five brothers uh, to protect them. So that they must, and, and Abraham points up, wait, no, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And finally, uh, no, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent and the big slam dunk. If, they do not hear Moses and the prophets. Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise mm. from the dead, which, of course, Jesus raised somewhat multiple people from the dead. But the famous one is named Lazarus. And what was what was the response to the, the resurrection of Lazarus? Uh, from 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 the Pharisees.
1: Uh, hey, would they begin to conspire and plan to kill him? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like right. that, that was, so yeah, they this wanted to is kill him. Luke's This is uh, Luke's observing the same human tendency, mm-hmm. right? Like even the resurrection of a dead man will not convince these stony hearts, yeah.
2: And then ultimately the resurrection of Christ himself mm-hmm. who, um, you know, the Romans and the Jews had the means, the motive and the opportunity to produce. All they had to do was produce a body and like shut down this whole Christianity thing. Uh, but they couldn't do it because there was no body. Because the the body um, was resurrected and then ascended to heaven after forty days. After, I'm sorry, after fifty days. Um, and uh, like you would think that the resurrection of somebody would would open up closed eyes and would uh, would unclog clogged ears. Right. Um. But but it it you know that's the point here is is that some people just choose. To not see and to not hear uh, what is obvious. So, Kirk, it would be uh, very tempting for us to make this entirely um, about money.
1: Um, but I, I think it's—it's. It's yeah, a, I, I, I mean, think... I, I don't. I I guess I don't feel that temptation. That it, it seems okay. to be more about eternal things and last things and um, taking seriously um, the state of your soul. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting um, that it the
2: hearers here. Um, would probably have been observers of the law right yeah and it's interesting oh wait wait will the law not save us will observing the law not save us um of course like if they understood the law um compassion for those who are at our very feet um and and this is where i say like it's not just about money like it's it's compassion for the people that are place before us. Um, and that may be a a monetary thing, but like, it's, it's interesting. I'm not preaching this Sunday. I have, um, somebody that, that, um, who's preaching for me once, once a month, someone who's discerning, uh, a call to the diaconate and, um, and, uh, he, he preaches for me once a month and I work to kind of help him, uh, grow as a preacher. I do what I can to do that. And, um, I mean, his uh, kind of focus of the sermon is is to find, to look for and find the Lazaruses around us, um, that uh, to to take notice of the the Lazaruses in your circle of influence and not be like the rich man who mm-hmm. ignores them. That like God God puts these these people in our lives, and it, and it's not just about like notice. No one says wealth is bad here. That it's just the the excess that could have been. Do you understand what I'm saying? That like mm-hmm. they're not saying give god jesus has something for each specific person to the rich young ruler he says give away all that you have because he realized that this guy loved wealth but there's Mm -hmm. nothing here about that it's just merely like the excess uh Mm -hmm. from his table would have been enough that like a small bit of compassion um uh goes a long way so so open your eyes listener Mm -hmm. kirk open your eyes to those people around you who are who who um these people who are made in God's image, these people who are suffering who have need and um, minister to them.
1: I think, I think another interesting theme here is regret. Um, uh, Lazarus is filled with deep regret, um, deep regret for, as you just said, uh, a blindness during his life to misery that was in front of his face to which he was callous and, um, and blind, um, and also regret for being on the wrong side of his maker. Uh, it's it's just really interesting. I, I love the, it's interesting how being reconciled to your maker is a blind spot for so many during the productive and successful stages of our lives. There's, there's something like tragic and natural about that. I think constantly of the uh, Simpsons episode <laughs> where um uh bart simpson i forget does he think he's dying or something and someone's like uh bart like do you think you want maybe want to like see uh see pastor i forget what's the name of the pastor the, of their church do you think you want to maybe go and confess and he's like nah i'm good i i've always planned on having a presto change bedside conversion at my death right but it's using humor to make a good point which is right um there's something about really feeling your mortality that for the first time causes so many of us to actually um take into account like where we stand um with the source of our being with god himself um and this is of course what we see here um with the the rich man so i think uh regret uh that that we are so inclined to feed our um, desires, <laughs> um, or to feed our base pleasures, and in that way, I think um, we talked a little bit about that that last week. Um, maybe that's a, a common element here in this chapter. Um, but I think another thing that's interesting is notice to whom the rich man appeals. Um, he appeals to Abraham, um, which is natural, right? Uh, these are being a son of Abraham was the birthright. For these for these men in first century Syria, right? So that would be a natural thing to appeal to, and yet um, uh, that is not sufficient for him. So Christopher, we've had enormous recording difficulties, and we've been had to stop and restart three times. And I was in the middle of making um, what I'm sure was an excellent, excellent, eloquent. What we um, can only assume point.
2: was a but, brilliant point. Um, yes.
1: But I, I cannot, for the life of me, retrieve it. So I just—I guess I want to ask you: Do you have any? Do you have any final thoughts on this? This, um, this, 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 this interesting kind of stunning parable of last things. I just remember what it was. I remember what it was. Get- this is amazing. All right, let's hear it. So uh, it's interesting to whom uh, the rich man appeals. Um, mm, yeah. Once he's dead, he appeals to Abraham, which would have been a logical person to appeal to. Right. Being sons of Abraham was for first century Judeans. Right. Your birthright. That was their um, sons of Abraham. Isn't yes, that enough? No, Judean I tell you paradise. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But sons but, of the promise. Yeah. Um, it's interesting in the comfortable words um, uh, that, that, that you that you say every Sunday and then I hear from my priest every Sunday. We hear this. We have an advocate with Jesus, uh, with the father. Jesus Christ the righteous, who he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. I, I hear my, my son that is amazing. Yes, that he it. is reciting. That's yes. great. So, but the point is this we do have an advocate with the father, but it is not Abraham, right? So, an appeal to Abraham is actually insufficient in this point. Um, the only advocate for our sins. Is Jesus Christ right? So, so in this situation, of course, it's I, I spoke about regret. It's too late, um, but also I think there there might be another point, which is um, uh, the full splendor of a sinner having a full pardon um, to the uh, from the Father through the Son is not yet available at this point, right? As Jesus says uh, at the end, like he he foreshadows, like I must die. Like there's going to be a resurrection from the dead that's going to be needed um, to bridge this gap. Notice the point that um, the the gap cannot be bridged between sinner and paradise. And I realize I'm conflating points here, Um, but, but I think it's interesting. Um, Abraham is an insufficient advocate, right? Um, The, 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 the the beauty of having an advocate, God himself, the God man as an advocate with the father does not yet exist. So Abraham's like, yes. no, I can't. Sorry. Sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, Kirk, I, I get I totally understand both parts of your point. That that both that um being a son of Abraham, he he assumed would be sufficient for his salvation. Um, and, and we, we need something more um because of sin the sin of the world, but also um the, the just the importance of having an advocate.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Any
2: final thoughts, sir? No, I th- I think you summed it up well.
1: Um, speaking of death
2: <laughs> oh that's it that's that's. i, I don't know i don't know you, you you gave such a
1: such a delight speaking of great <laughs> chasms um De- and death. death go ahead some
2: people are murdered to death Okay, uh, today we are talking in our culture segment about uh, the Hulu original comedy, Only Murders in the Building. Kirk, we discussed season one uh, probably about a year ago, um, and season two premiered in August.
0: Yeah, I'm
2: actually, yeah, uh, August, July. So doesn't matter. Uh, it came out, we watched it, we loved it. Um, this is a uh, a series which uh, was created by Steve Martin, and one of the things we talked about last year was just how like, you know, he's clearly at an age where he just he wants to do his own thing, and um, he just picked a show that's so quirky and amazing. It's a show about a true crime podcast that they um, that uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez start to investigate uh the mysterious murder of one Tim Kono. Season uh 2 opens exactly where season 1 closed um with the murder of Bunny the the co-op board president and with her um dying and falling into the lap of Selena Gomez's character. Yes,
1: whose name is Mabel but conveniently falling into the lap in a surreal way that Mabel can't quite remember how or why she ends there. Right. And also they
2: were celebrating. And so she may have had a few champagnes. um, And, uh, and anyway, yes. So, that this season opens with, with you know, they were just lauded as heroes for solving this murder. They have a weird cult, like really yeah. weird cult following uh, of kind of these people who are perhaps unemployed because they seem to have the time to follow them around. Um,
1: and uh, there's also uh, the life of a groupie takes time and devotion. <laughs> you know, jo- can- jobs are temporary, but um, but a, but a great murder podcast is forever. indeed. And uh, I feel like this season
2: uh, features a little bit more of Tina Fey uh, who plays oh, yeah. a oh, great yeah. character, a very funny character, a podcaster in her own right, who has a true crime podcast, Cinda. which she, Cindy Canning, and she names it only murderers in the building. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, she, of course, troll. she would like uh, for them to be guilty of this. And, of course, um, one of my favorite i shouldn't say this i just like him as a screen presence michael rapaport um comes on this season as a a detective
1: investigating them really cranking up his outer boroughs dialect yes yeah it's awesome yeah
2: Yeah. um so kirk there's no way we could possibly um go episode by episode um how do you want to discuss season two of of this just brilliantly funny well, show.
1: Okay. So you brought up Cinda Canning. Let's start there. Right. So sure. um, uh, she features more prominently because um, I, th- I think kind of a, a key uh, engine in the, in the plot in the second season is this rivalry, right? So there's this, there's this murder and Cinda Canning decides to devote her um I, what would we probably say number one ranked podcast right true crime podcast true crime yeah 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 yeah. um she's going to devote this the present season to this rival upstart podcast who are conveniently um suspects <laughs> in a murder in their own building um and of course we find out that that is not a not a coincidence um uh, at all, um, so I think Kirk. that's that's a that's a place to start there as well. Um, there's also you. Yes, you're about yeah. to say. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say
2: I am a sucker for hyperbole in comedy. It's why I love British comedy. Is like right. things are so over the top. You know, shows like It Crowd, which are just just ridiculous and, and goofy and silly and over the top. And um, I'm also a, a a sucker for, for Tina Fey's comedy, which is hyperbole. Like her characters are just like in, for instance, 30 rock. Kirk, have you watched 30 rock? I don't think you have. No. Okay. Nope. Um, like each of the characters is just like up turned up to 11 and it's just, and and they're just 70 jokes crammed in, you know, per minute. And I just, I just love it. And I'm a sucker for that. And uh, Cindy canning is just like, A ridiculous character like i don't think there are humans like her but i think she's very funny because she's just so cruel so self-centered peremptory (laughs) yeah narcissistic yeah narcissistic she's she's cruel like it's funny like her entire career has been made by um one of her assistants and she's gonna thank um she's like who else should i thank and she turns to her assistant and says her name and then asks her to like get her some food or something right and and all, all the food requests are like She's doing the stupid thing like, I don't know, buying chocolate chip cookies and then picking out all the chocolate chips. Cause right. that, that's right. not a thing, but like it would be like that of like, yes. but I like the chocolate chip cookies.
1: Yeah. I just don't yeah. like the chocolate chips, you know. So I think I think we should talk about her assistant because she's, it it begins with a voiceover from this this assistant, this, this talented, um, humble, long-suffering abused assistant. Her name is Poppy, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and she has like this ordinary kind of downtrodden, miserable existence in Oklahoma, right? What she has like an alcoholic father, mm-hmm. and like yeah. uh he her boss is the small town mayor who's abusive and maybe a bit of a pervert, right? Yep. And what she listens to one of Cinda's podcasts and she gets an idea. And her idea is what if I could disappear, right? Um And so she even Google's it right before actually doing it, um, and uh, and that is that is great foreshadowing, right, Christopher? Oh yeah, Um, that that ends up being kind of a a crucial plot line. Um, And what what is it? What was it called? Uh, All All is not okay in Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Because the mayor mayor's campaign slogan was "All is okay." so when Cinda, so when she meets Cinda, Cinda's trying to brainstorm an idea for a new podcast. Um, and all she's asking for is a murder that she can solve and then record, right? And, and, and Poppy kind of gives her an idea. Um, and then that's when we kind of we meet up with um, the present timeline where Mabel's dropping her big news. Um that that Cinda is the, the like the criminal mastermind, right? So um
2: this, this show is, Kirk
1: combines like, two yes uh,
2: really remarkable things. One that uh, it's it's a hilarious comedy with right. Martin Short being the you know loving dips and having dips for dinner and Steve Martin having funny like voice to text, you know, confusion. Kirk, you shared that you sent us that scene. Yes, yeah yeah of of we've all have been there with also with a really good like mystery um like and, and like many good mysteries, of course, um uh, one of my favorite uh, series of of television of all time is is season one or series one uh, of uh, Broadchurch, in mm. which um suspicion. Is cast on virtually every character, each, right? Like one episode, each like, character has their episode person. where it's yeah. this person.
1: Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah,
2: and uh, and, and it, that's kind of like this season of where like maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person, you know, and then eventually you know, resolving it. And Kirk, um, I, I love how they resolve it in, in the final episode. They yes. have a wh- what do they call it? A a
1: so so the, the a
2: killer reveal party,
1: which the, there's a the joke conceit, there, built in, there. right. <laughs> the conceit is that Martin Short has happy memories of like the miserable 1970s in New York, right? <laughs> when there were rolling blackouts and, uh, and the son of Sam was stalking the streets and striking heart and striking fear in the hearts of all New Yorkers, right? Um, yeah. So, so you're right. Um, the, the real killer is hiding in plain sight in front of our eyes throughout season two. And each episode goes through it kind of a spotlight on different characters. And you, you do kind of chin stroke and wonder, is it going to be this guy? Is it going to oh, be for this sure. lady? Yeah. And the killer reveal party where actually Martin short really fancies himself, like a, like as having yeah. some real psychic abilities to kind of stare at um, guests at a dinner party and stare into their soul and determine if they're like the innocent blonde or if again, the that's a hyperbolic killer. character
2: thing. Like he is so
1: delusional,
2: right? Of his yes. own abilities and whatnot, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so that's great. Um, uh, there's also, uh, I think, a really touching uh, subplot uh, where where um, Martin Short. Uh, should we mm. should we kind of say yeah. some spoilers here? Sure. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, so in the in season one, you you meet Martin Short, and then who is a a short, uh, baby boomer white dude, and then you meet his son. Who is, um, who is like they're like of a darker hue? There, obviously, like some other it's biracial. Some other Can we say biracial. that? Yes, yep, yep, yep. And uh, we don't really meet the wife, but when we, we meet the wife in season two, well, um, Martin Short, what, what how does this happen? He has what a genetic test or
2: something. So, like this? I feel yeah, like how- it's his, his son gets it for his his son's like, yeah. science project or something.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. And he finds out. So he finds out that he's half Greek. <laughs> yeah, half black, half Greek. Half black, half Greek. Yep. And uh, Martin and Short is, Martin is like, of That's course weird Irish because I'm 100 percent Irish. And so he takes a genetic test, and he's in denial about it to his friends and to himself, and kind of realizes like I'm not the father of my son. Um, and, and,
2: realizes- and so he begs the re- he begs the real father, um, please don't tell him please mm. don't like he finds out who it is and they have a confrontation that's 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 kind of heartfelt like the one guy's like i wronged you and and um it, it, Kirk it's really a beautiful moment yes it is um, yeah. at the end where um you know Martin Short is is has been lying about it they're like yep no it's you know i i guess i'm greek you know cuz you're greek i'm greek right and <laughs> and um he he finally confesses to his son yeah i'm not i'm not your dad um and his son just says to him, like, if you're not my dad, uh, th- then like, I don't know what a dad is.
1: Right. Which is a like, very, he's, a very Christian like, thing.
2: For sure. And because... he's like, also, also, it's clear that he knew. He's like, dad, I knew that. Dad, like, of course, you're not Greek. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, 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 um, you look like a leprechaun. Like, of course, you're not Greek. But if you're not my dad. I don't know what a dad
1: is. It's reminiscent of of Jesus saying, "Like who who are my brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. These are my brothers and sisters." The, the Christian idea that um, that being adopted um, mm. into our new identity is 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 much more real, much truer than 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 blood, um, which or is a, sort a, of against a... the world, right? Like blood is thicker right. than water. Yeah, not, no, not not actually, in Christ. Christianity is water is thicker than blood. If yeah. And this is this is sort of a, an echo of that, right? Like, no, like what we have is true father, is, is what you have shown me is true fatherhood. There's no yeah. such thing as fatherhood if you're not a father. Yeah. That was a that was a lovely moment. A tender moment in what it would what is an otherwise um hysterical <laughs> season. Yes. Right. So we get this uh fun subplot with uh with um Steve Martin's character, Brazos where he gets uh he gets called back to the show and he's very excited Christopher but there's a catch what's the catch
2: <laughs> Well um not only is he in a wheelchair but he has dementia that like he thinks that he's going to be the hero of the show and <laughs> it turns out like he's just this blubbering old man <laughs> and he is not happy about that like first of all like he thinks that he's going to be the detective no he's the dad of the det- of the main character right. who's and 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 uh there's a great scene where he's welcomed on set and he starts to give a speech. And like, it's clear that nobody <laughs> wanted to listen to the speech that so they were just ready to start.
0: Right. And
1: that's enough. That's
2: a good scene. Yeah.
1: There's also um, a, a painting plays a, 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 real kind of MacGuffin role um, as they're looking for a stolen painting, which is like the most ridiculous painting <laughs> ever. <laughs> and it turns out, um, Uh, uh, Martin uh, Brazos's father, right. Steve Martin's father is not the type of guy that, uh, Brazos thought he was right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, Kirk there it's, it's interesting. I, I am a uh, sporadic listener to this American life and they had an episode devoted to, um, like the havoc wreaked by, um, the, these like 23 and me or, um, you know, where, uh people getting these genetic tests are are finding out all kinds of family secrets that that nobody like people thought that they would be able to take to their grave. I mean yeah. it's it's it's, it, it's a real life thing. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. So um you mentioned uh, uh what's his name Rappaport? um yeah. he's detective creps on the show. Yeah. Um he, he's a fun guy. Um we uh there there's a crooked detective on the police force. Um, who, uh, who kind of, in a sadly eloquent way, um, explains that like there's like being a just a public servant. Um, there's no way you can live in Manhattan. Like I gotta take money on the side. So like he kind of makes it by planting evidence, right? And uh, so Detective Krebs turn. Um, he he's basically he has it. What he has it out for Mabel? That's kind of that's kind of what's happening, right? Um, um, so he's an interesting guy, um, and uh, it, which so a subplot is: it turns out that this building, right, only murderers in the building, only murders in the building, the uh, the Arconia, right, this this cool uh, classic um, upper West Side apartment building in Manhattan, has this creepy series of tunnels right and so these characters realize that um their apartments have never been safe um they yeah. actually there's this these secret passageways in and out of all of their apartments and uh several several characters um steve martin's daughter shows up he has a daughter who um it turns out has been spending time in these tunnels right kind of because steve martin's a bad dad but she's still a daughter who kind of needs her dad right so 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 she's there and it turns out there's this detective Kreps who's creeping around in the tunnels as well. Um, so that's kind of a, a fun subplot as well. And it turns out these creepy fans, these groupies <laughs> are in there as well. Um, so that, that, that's kind of a fun subplot. I thought that was, I thought that was great fun, Christopher. Um, what'd you think of that?
2: Yeah. I mean, Kirk, I, I loved it. I, I thought this season, as much as I liked last season, I thought this was significantly better. Um, just very good, very, a lot funnier. Um, And that's not to disparage last season, but like this season was really good. I mean, there, there are many subplots we haven't mentioned, um, including like the murder from last season. Like Steve Martin doesn't want to break up with her. Yeah. Like he realizes that in her mind, they haven't actually broken up and he has to kind of deal. It's it's interesting to see a man in his eighties, um, a very immature man in his eighties, actually, yeah tackle hard things that he's avoided like fatherhood like you know um maybe i need, like i need to get healthier um emotionally
1: right that's uh, not a common thing yeah how about the um the, the the weird uh like the weird 70s album that it turns out that he had made uh <laughs> and he and his daughter would like sing it when she was young and, and yeah so it, that's funny uh let me just say this about it um this is more of a meta point Um, What a love letter to New York. Um, So like, I'm just an unabashed patriot. And one of the things we, in in this great, weird, wonderful country of ours, um, there's so many different places that have like such a unique tang, right? Like what's more American than New Orleans, right? Or like Dallas, Texas, like oil men swaggering around in big hats and cowboy boots. How weird are cowboy boots, right? Like people love them. (laughs) right? Or like Hollywood, right? Or, um, or the Rocky Mountains. How American is New York City? And there's so many things that are really New York-y about this, like Bunny Folger, just this like r- really, um, uh, the 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 lady that, that gets murdered, right? Uh, whose murder we're trying to solve here. Um, she's there's something really New Yorky about this, right? The fact that there's a like a superintendent of the building that's kind of been a fixture of the building and cranky and imperious and arrogant. Um, these these detectives with outer Bronx dialects, but but one of the things that's so New Yorky and and of course his dialect is cranked up to eleven, is the doorman, Christopher. Um, and I don't know how much this still exists post COVID. Um, a lot of stuff has probably been automated. I'm worrying. Uh, you've mm-hmm. been, you've been in New York City since COVID. Um, are there still these lovely doormen in these ridiculous uniforms um, talking to you, dropping their Rs everywhere um, as you walk uh, in and out? But I love ago, this yes. guy, yeah. right? I love this guy. He's a great. Guy, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You you were saying? I'm sorry. A Juilliard trained actor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's him, of course, Martin Short uh, um, um, being a part of his character, um, being an ex. Well, as we see at the end, a, a, a newly, um, a second lease on life, a Broadway director, right? What a, what a New York character as well. Um, taking seriously the ridiculous um, plays and musicals that he directs, right? Um, that too is New York. Um, Brazos, this, this hard-boiled uh, Harlem detective show, right. That too is New York. Um, I felt like season two really leaned in to the New Yorkiness, um, conversations in a diner with weird, uh, weird foods. What was the, what was the, the sandwich that plays a, um, it plays it's an like a marmalade and liver or something Yeah, it plays I, an important plot point. Right. But like, yeah. I find that almost plausible, right? Like New York, <laughs> like the place where like people should order like weird sandwiches, like, like capicola on rye capicola and swiss on rye i don't know like right like marmalade i don't know throw some marmalade on it i don't know so um i just thought that was great um i don't know did you notice any other kind of like lovely ridiculous new yorky things
0: uh
2: not not put not being put on the spot
0: All right
1: i mean obviously the 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 detective as well he kind of really talks about kind of the the less glamorous sides like this island is impossible to live on. Like as a, you know, on a, I'm a public servant. Like I I can't live here. Yeah. But, uh, um, of course he, where he runs his own boxing, uh, gym, right. Where everyone in there is like talking to each other, dropping in their eyes, you know, like, it's just, all that was great too. But yeah. Um, uh, but Christopher, do you have, I feel like I've monologued here and just kind of scattershot, um, I'm not not really tying it together.
2: No, um, I mean you you you're tying together more thematically than I am. I'm just <laughs> like, hey, remember that? That was really good. Um, but I guess to to maybe put a put a bow on it. um yeah. it's it, it's interesting. We can tie this actually to the gospel, um, in that there's a interesting realization because each of these characters are, are immensely flawed. Um, the, the, these three, um, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and um. Selena Gomez. Yes. um, And uh, there's a moment where there's a flashback to the, to the moments, the last moments of Bunny's life where she actually comes in their apartment and she was, you know, she was this like cross. She's just this very cross and and very tough woman, but like, she's kind of humbled and she kind of swallows her pride and goes and does she, does she bring them something? She brings them what? A bottle of champagne. She brought a bottle bottle of wine, a bottle of champagne, something. And is and they're like, oh well, oh, thank okay, you. thank you, bye. bye. <laughs> yeah. And only once she leaves, do they realize, oh wait, I think she just wanted to 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 spend some time together. And uh,
1: but the moment's this, gone, right? The, right? She's gone. Ah, right? But also,
2: they're like, oh, it's awkward. Like we can't invite her back in. Right. There's that too, right? Yeah. Um, and what what they realize at you know at some point is that a small bit of compassion, just inviting her in. Right. And inviting her to share in this gift of champagne or wine or whatever it is would have saved your life yeah. that because they would not welcome her into their home for just a few minutes of of fellowship of of hospitality um that she was murdered and they could have easily saved her yeah. and so you know that's that's like recognizing the uh the the uh, lazaruses around us that had they seen um bunny in her need um that uh, they could have saved her life
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah um watch it uh uh, it's all funny the characters are funny they're poignant moments as we've as we've commented on um but the last episode uh is the uh, the murderer reveal party is just spectacular and uh i feel like season one had a couple of remarkable twists um uh there are really a couple of remarkable twists here in season two. And I, I don't want to spoil them in case you haven't seen it, but, uh, but you should see it. Like, get the Hulu free free one-month trial. That's what we did. And and then watch them. And then quit Hulu. That's what or, I or Or um,
2: if you are a Verizon customer, uh, I think you can get the entire ah. Disney package um, by upgrading your plan, like $10 a month. We'll get you the entire Disney package, which includes Hulu.
1: So I, Christopher, I... I often wonder how anybody makes any money anymore um, in the current kind of um, uh, film and television model and the streaming model. Um, It it seems like it's a house of cards. And so I just am grateful that um, these kind of generational talents. um, So like, think of the the headlining actors, you have Selena Gomez, uh, you have Steve Martin and Martin Short. To think that Nathan Lane is... Agreed to be a second tier actor on this thing, like he just knew it was that good and he was willing to do it. like Paul Rudd's going to re- be in season three.
2: What do I mean? Re- <laughs> Paul Rudds a, a re- marvel actor, yeah,
1: what a remarkable and- collection of talent, and they're doing this for a thing called Hulu like <laughs> let's whatever moment this is, if this if we look back in ten years and like, man, like what what yeah so right it's, right, it's right, remarkable yeah. we're lucky that this exists, I think for sure, yeah. Any final thoughts, or should we end in prayer? Let's end in prayer. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit.
2: Let us pray. O merciful Lord, grant to your faithful people pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.